Aloha Maui. Hey, this is Josh Porter. Jason Verkart. And Brian Thomas. We are here with the Solar Coaster. This is the uh, first show of our fourth year, gentlemen, at episode 157. Uh, yeah, pretty excited to be here. We got a, a cool show as well with Smart Electric Power Alliance staff Brenda Chu and Mac, hang on one second here, Mac Keller, uh, analysts over there at SEPA, Smart Electric Power Alliance. What do you say, Jay? I mean, it's always fun to talk to those folks. They do. SEPA is essentially, like you said, I think a think tank. They they are not um, out there for for profiting. They're they're literally an organization formed to um, help research the topics, help communicate across the nation between agencies that don't necessarily talk to each other very well, and and just facilitate that communication and knowledge um, across the industry. And I think I think they do fantastic work. Yeah, and they got kind of a young energy about them in an industry that tends to be kind of a bit, you know, more mature. So it's like... Stodgy. I, yeah, and I like, I like the fact that there's <laughs> young, smart uh, people in D.C. out there talking about how utilities can work differently, how they can improve upon and take advantage of this whole kind of renewable energy revolution. It's just got a great vibe to it, you know? I'm really stoked to, yeah, to, to air this. Finally, we actually recorded this at SPI, Solar Power International North America, Smart Energy Week back in 2019 in Salt Lake City. So I think this is literally the final recording at six, seven months later. How many how many months later? A year later? <laughs> so we got it. We did, we we did it. say that when we were walking on the floor. You know, we have like six months for the content. <laughs> very <laughs> good. Very good. So we'll get into that. Lots of great news and events. We're coming off the heels of the RFP Phase 2 Awards here in Maui County and throughout Hawaii. That's exciting. Uh, and we're going to have a lot of cool things happening across the country uh, about how this industry is uh, faring in the COVID-19 crisis. And then there's actually a lot of optimism, I think. Uh, so you ready to get going, guys? Let's do it. All right. Here we go. Hey, folks, this is The Solar Coaster. We are a renewable energy-themed talk show right here in lovely Maui County. It can be found Fridays at 1.05 p.m. on Ka'oi, 1110 a.m. Also, some FM stations, 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM Upcountry www.solar-coaster.com is where you can get all our old shows. Um, if you have any interest in renewable energies, technology, uh, solar on your home, home batteries, electric vehicles, etc., etc., we chances are we talked about it by now. And those are all hosted again. Uh, www.solar-coaster.com. You can also listen live if you're outside our broadcast area. We do stream that out. Um, also, the YouTube is linked there, social media. I mean, there's so many things on the website. Go check it out, www.solar-coaster.com. We're also available on podcast networks. So if you're not on the web for some reason, um, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeart, etc., all carry the Solar Coaster. Just look for the uh, little orange and blue waveform logo. There you go. Got some great sponsors that have helped the Solar Coaster uh, run through the last four, three years, moving into our fourth year. Of course, Fairwinds Wealth Management is run by Brian Thomas, independent operator, owner of uh, Fairwinds Wealth Management here. Hey, Brian, I, I got to take a moment while we're doing this to just say thank you for your uh, kind of, you know, tutoring of me during this process. It's a very interesting time to start navigate the ESG conversation and then through this crisis to be able to understand what's happening in the financial world. What have you seen out there recently? Well, you know, uh, uh, we talked about two companies, and you, you, we, you've had them on at various uh, degrees, but Enphase and SolarEdge. And, mm. you know, if you look at companies that have powered through, uh, Enphase is just off, it, it hit an all-time high uh, four days ago, and then SolarEdge is doing very well, too. It's just off its all-time highs. So, um, I mean, that's a pretty solid indicator that these are viable businesses and they have a good growth prospects going forward despite our new world that we are in. Yeah. And you know, it's it, and when uh, w when we kind of hit a bit of a trough a while back, I think it was maybe a month ago or I'm not sure the exact date, but Brian called me up and he's like, yeah, now's the time to do that account, Josh. And uh, and I was like, okay, I'm kind of doing some other stuff. And he goes, Josh, can I speak boldly? <laughs> he goes, you need to fund that account right now. And I did. And I own, um, you know, and I own Enphase at 26 and it's sitting at 56 right now, which is interesting. It's for my, you know, I'm not much of a stock guy, but I think that's something I probably shouldn't expect too much of in the future. <laughs> probably an unusual success, but thank you for your guidance there. That was awesome, and uh, yeah, we should do more of that. And people should reach you if they want to learn about how to how to navigate these times. How can they get in touch with you? Uh, sure, eight seven three thirty two forty seven eight seven three thirty two forty seven. I will give you my risk management process. You could do it on your own to be on the right side of the market, and it's worked very well. There you go. Thanks for that, Brian. 
And we have Enduro Shield and Perfectly Clear Glass with Gary Dolberg. Now, we're excited to uh, get further down the road with Perfectly Clear Glass in that we're coating panels and we're going to be seeing the, the impacts of protecting panels in a new way and basically reducing the amount of uh, cleaning time, reducing the need to get someone up on your roof, maybe incur a liability and spray down the panel so much. These, these, this coating is an opportunity to uh, preserve the kind of cleanliness of the panel and get better energy out of them over the long haul. Very cool technology, exactly the kinds of companies that I love to get involved with the solar coaster. Of course, we have Sundrum Solar. Sundrum Solar is finishing up uh, some of the most interesting heat sink technologies, thermal heat sink technologies, uh, you know, that have ever been done, basically. And Jay and I were just saying that it's the thermal uh, part of the question. If you look at Solar Power International out in um, in Anaheim this year, they're doing EVs, they're doing uh, hydrogen, they're doing wind, they're doing solar and storage. And to me, it's like that covers almost everything. But the main thing that's the other big, big pillar, Jay, of course, is thermal, right? So I'd love mm -hmm. to learn more about, how, you know, maybe Sundrum really comes out and starts to, to uh, play a role in, in, in supporting kind of the education of thermal. One of our articles in News and Events is actually an interesting thermal one today. Uh, yeah. And so yep. those are those wonderful sponsors uh, that have kept the solar coaster going. You guys ready to do some news? Always, always. Forbes is reporting right now that uh, what this post-pandemic world needs is a solar energy revolution. Oh, well, yeah. we, I think we needed it before. I think we needed it beforehand, but now it really, really kind of drives it home. And, and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, their argument is that that we're we're coming off a, an economic slump. At, if I am nice about the language, <laughs> um, a lot of people have literally lost their their entire um, revenue stream um and and we also face a a just an energy crisis almost where we want this redundancy if you have solar and battery on your home you, i mean the rest of the world can can basically go away and you're still you're still okay people want to secure that energy supply um but to install that is, is going to be a significant undertaking and that creates jobs um jobs create revenue for the states that they're in and i mean what there's no downside Really, and in the long term, in the long term, we can also clean up the climate, which is I mean, something that we've seen <laughs> firsthand recently. When industry in the world stops, um, there are deer in the streets in Paris. You know, <laughs> you know what I find interesting about this, Jay. This is Enrique Danz is the fellow that wrote this for Forbes, and Forbes sometimes comes out with these really kind of kind of simple overview articles. Uh, but this one, it is mm -hmm. it is pretty short. It's not like a lengthy discussion, but he kind of hits the nail on the head. And he says, hey, look, you know, we're talking about uh, a renewable energy revolution during this period to help kind of jumpstart this new economy and this new normal. And the thing that's neat about solar and, and renewables in general is that you immediately get good quality high paying jobs when you deploy projects. Right. So and there's mm -hmm. and, and recently HSCA and, and Will Giese and Allison over there, they've been talking about that in terms of the local impact here in Hawaii. But you immediately get you get, a, you get an immediate bump like a, a, an effect on on the job market, right? And these are good quality mm -hmm. jobs. But if, and they, they can do that job per megawatt. They actually have metrics yeah, on that. Yeah, the, ba the base entry pay is in the state of Hawaii is $21.50. Right. Good paying jobs you get right that's, away. That's significant. And then in the in the in the sh in the short and mid and mid and long term, there are other impacts which are just massive. So you start to see savings in this kind of vampiric load, if I can call it. You know, when you lose money to your energy <laughs> costs, right? And the thing is, he's saying is like, look, the cost, the manufacturing cost, the build cost, the solar is just just running off the cliff so much that it's really not even going to be meterable shortly. It's just going to be free energy. <laughs> that was the type of language which this guy is using. He doesn't seem like an energy writer, but he's kind of hitting on on the head, which is really neat. And then the long term, of course, mm -hmm. of course, are that people have more money, you're able to keep more of their money on their monthly monthly expenditures over the long term. Then, of course, the very long term is the impacts on the climate and the impacts on our environment. So you have this kind of short, medium, long term kind of just just, you know, uh, jab cross uppercut to all these problems is beautiful man i this is the first guy to actually put it together in, in a straightforward way that everyone kind of understand i love this article who's who's right. who's not right in the industry here either you know he's, he's right. not he's not a solar a longtime solar champion not that as far i know I of. yeah not that i know yeah. of. so very cool article man and, and this this does give us a chance to do a big reset here and think about uh i mean that's one of the silver linings that i think is going to come about we, we've looked at sort of the Fed has funded, I look at it from an economic standpoint, but the Fed has funded and, and increased uh, 
capital at the expense of wage growth, right? And so mm. if we're paying people unemployment and such like that, think of, this is some big picture thinking here, but think of the ability to have something like an energy core instead of a peace core where right. you could, you could for those that have some ability to contribute or desire, you can get this much on unemployment or you can get a little bit more if you're out contributing in a manner to, to uh, propagate solar energy. And, and there's all different levels of technical skills required, but there's some people that aren't required and just in a logistics manner. So, but that would be great to have like a, a, a sort of a state run, uh, energy core you know very I mean? interesting very interesting uh, you know while we're hearing about the space core right so it's a, the, well, so, yeah, <laughs> and, and, and josh specific to that i was i was going to use that as a reference because i mean i don't have much to contribute to the space core right but uh and the average person doesn't but but when it comes to renewables and solar they they actually could you know I like that idea a lot, and I'm glad you brought it up. I think that there's a there is an opportunity like that, and what's and if people may not be kind of you know energy isn't inherently an exciting topic, although you know you may think of course we treat it as if it were, <laughs> we were always, <laughs> but but the 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 technology that will be able to uh, be built and deployed as a result of having kind of stable, sound, renewable energy systems with greater and greater power capabilities, greater and greater storage capabilities, those things are very interesting, very exciting. And to keep in, you know, Jay, you know what I'm talking about, air mobility, right? Mm-hmm. Bell's nex- yep. the, the Bell Nexus, uh, this new uh, world of autonomous vehicles where right now, and I think uh, uh, in Scandinavia somewhere, or is it... Uh, the Middle East, they're doing uh, uh, the electric bus fleets are actually being charged while they're moving. Mobile inductive charging is happening today, you know, across the world. So these this new world, so, yeah. it's not so just the one. I, the one I love to bring up is the Iron Man armor. Everybody loves it. It's so cool. It's all sci-fi, and you can't you can't actually do that. Actually, most of the technology is probably pretty doable. The one big cheat uh, is the little reactor. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the only thing. If we had more energy, we could do more stuff. And that's why energy is so cool. Yeah, well put, Jay. I'll leave it there. Which which article you want to jump to next? Uh, I want to talk about boring holes and heating heck up the yeah, planet. Uh, yeah. you got to ask Michael from Sundrum okay, about we, 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 we talk about really interesting ways to kind of store energy. We can generate energy, and so, but the sun isn't out all the time, and the wind isn't blowing all the time, and we need a way to store it and pull it back. Um, so this is a new one. We've talked about stacking up large cinder blocks. We've talked about pump pumping water uphill and let it going, come, going back down. Uh, this is a new one on me, though. Um, borehole thermal energy. So what they're doing in Norway is actually boring large holes in uh, a giant chunk of granite that just sits there. It's, 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 their, it's their ground. They pump a, um, a um, heat, heated water, a CO2, and, um, and just hot water through the granite and heat it up through yeah. the summer months. Um, and then they use it to reclaim, reclaim that it just sits there. I mean, it's, it's, it's a hot rock. And of course it, a very big hot rock through through yeah it's a very very big hot rock you got to understand how much energy <laughs> is actually in there and of course it disperses into the rest of the ground but if the majority for the most part it it's it's sitting there and they can actually circulate water back through it and run um, thermal collectors in reverse and then get the energy back or at least a decent number of it decent amount of it and that's and that's really the point is how much per input can you get back out of it and it seems to be quite a lot i mean granite granite will hold its heat if you ever go out and, and stand on a piece of granite on a hot sun or <laughs> hot day mm-hmm. or after it, the best thing is you go go out at night afterwards and put your feet on a hot piece of granite um it will still be hot for a very long time because um, it holds that heat pretty well so this is a really cool way <laughs> to store energy i'd like to get more numbers versus the input versus the output i don't i don't have that in front of me right. but it but it sounds like a cool technology it is a cool technology, and the notion that you can store energy in the form of heat seasonally is what is, uh, a, 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 I think, pretty unique here. You know, it, a, a electrical storage is not typically long-term storage, right? I mean, you can't just kind of mm-hmm. sit energy in a battery, can you, for months upon months? You have to have no, a constant no, no, discharge no, cycle, yeah. right? So, um, yep. you know, of course, something like uh, uh, hydro pumping, what do you call it, hydro, hydro, what is it called again? 
pumping of water pump up. Hydro? And, pump hydro. Pump hydro. Something like yeah. pump hydro, I suppose, could store pretty much indefinitely. Uh, but this is, in terms of like heat storage, first time I've heard this very cool seasonal. So you have to assume you're talking about many months of kind of like this base storage of heat in this massive granite slab beneath the earth. I love the creativity in here, man. So cool. Okay. Yep. Okay. So one one thing one thing I want to bring up now, um, pvtech.org is uh, reporting now that that U.S. residential solar is primed for faster than expected rebound. Now we've we've heard a bit about this, um, and, and I think it's probably true uh, that that the although we've had a significant economic downturn and people talk about supply shortages and this and that it really really seems like both locally nationally and globally that 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 we are we're uh, prepped for a really really quick um turnaround when it comes to solar and renewables in general uh because there's so much demand uh, everybody like i said everybody wants to secure that energy supply and it's it's as good or better much better than buying a regular fuel generator Yes, Thoughts? yes. Well, the, I'll let Brian, <laughs> yes, I'm, there's, yes. there's some room in here for Brian to jump in. You know, it, it mm-hmm. does look, and we just did a webinar, of course, with Seth Solar Power International last week. We aired it last week as, a, as our show. Um, it does look like the residential market is, is, is about to, there's a lag in the impacts of the market, right? So, yeah, we're mm-hmm. still seeing the, the permit pulls are still high on a local, on a local and national level for residential. But, you know, we the sales um, can say the sales process has been interrupted and they're trying to figure out ways to bolster sales and virtually. Uh, so there's going to be a negative slump through Q2, maybe Q3. Who, who knows? Right. And so on the on the utility side, it looks like the long term appetite, you know, strong long term time horizon. All the metrics still are very good on the on the on the commercial side. I think we, like like we discovered on that uh, that call the other day, Jay, that there's going to be some impacts because you have to talk. You've talked to CFOs about deployment of capital. And right now they're looking at kind of bracing for the impacts rather than uh, saying, hey, how do we uh, go out there and get, maybe it looks good on our books, it looks good on our financials, uh, uh, but you know, I don't know that I want to spend that money right now. So it, it maybe funded projects can come in, but then those funders need to have confidence in the um, overall health of these companies. So I do think there are some mid to long, you know, short to midterm blips in the different sections of the the industry. Uh, but the, the financial markets, we we're just talking with Brian, and they, they are seem to be indicating certain things. What are you seeing, Brian? Yeah, I mean, um, the charts are telling us that, that it does offer, uh, and they're not recommendations, but it shows you that those are some industries that, like software, are becoming more relevant in this new world of ours. You know, and if we look at uh, whether it's food or supplies in general, the average consumer is on their mind nowadays to say, okay, how can I, how can I assure myself and my family of some food supplies? And solar is another, and energy is another thing. How can I assure uh, myself or my family energy? And, and solar is the way to do that. And we talked about a little bit on the last show, in the context of your other investments, if you've got stocks, uh, you've witnessed a huge pummeling if you don't use a proper risk management process of which we could show somebody but um <laughs> so if you look at stocks and if you look at bonds too with interest rates at at 30 year lows 5000 year lows depending on how you measure it the upside is limited very limited on that right and the risk is actually kind of higher so given that context of those two traditional big investments why not invest in some solar and secure your own power distribution for sure, for sure, yeah. And so we will hopefully will. I think I think the long term of this is really great. But what's going on in the short term, Jay? We got about four minutes left. There's something going on with uh, the way people are closing deals, the way leads are flowing, how the market's trying to adapt to this kind of not face to face approach of of selling solar in the door to door world. Sure. I mean, okay. So what's been going on is that. Um, Companies have been forced to move kind of online. You know, there used to be, I mean, you know, the almost door-to-door sales still for solar. Um, it was who you know or your, a friend down the street got solar. You go and talk to them. And, and the, largely it was face-to-face. Now, in a world you can't do that, um, these companies still need to find potential customers and and engage them to, to make sure that they can get the customer gets the product they want and the, and the solar company continues to exist and we, we all make progress. Um, they've been moving online, which makes sense. Uh, these ads have always existed. I've seen them um, get, get solar, get solar cheap, you know, all those things. People in Makawa are amazed how low their, 
<laughs> solar energy bill can be. You've seen them. Um, the problem is there's always been a few bad actors in this. And as solar companies start pushing online, it seems like all of a sudden people are coming up and and, and there's a lot of, of misleading ads. You're seeing like 100% free panels or talking about stimulus programs that simply don't exist. You know, yeah, you there's can, a lot of bogus claims. Back. Yes, eventually your panels will be free because they will pay for themselves. That's almost a given. <laughs> However, what they're what they're selling is what they're, what they're advertising is not true. And now this isn't even the solar companies in general. This isn't this isn't your local solar company saying, "Hey, we're going to give you 100% free panels." These are advertising agencies that collect leads. These are just uh, we're we're going to get your click and get your email address and then they sell it to someone um, locally to you. So it's not the ad is not structured by your local solar company. It's and not the, their fault. Yeah, and, um, well and and if I may interrupt for a moment here Jay, it, it, the the, mm -hmm. the the here's the thing, right? That lead agency has no responsibility or investment in the people that it's communicating with outside of the, val yeah. the, the immediate monetization of that lead flow, that person's contact information. And it can be $50, yeah. $80, $100 per lead, right? So as soon as you – mm -hmm. it's so they're, they're motivated to just try to grab as many pieces of contact as possible and immediately monetize that by selling it to local and solar installers. And then those solar installers now need to go and approach those people based on that Really, there's there's a tremendous amount of this. I mean, of, of this clearly misleading, if not completely outright untruthful uh, ads. I see them on Facebook and in different social media sites all the time, and I report them on a regular basis. And I'm like, scam, 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 you know, <laughs> because it's just so bogus. You can tell they're taking hot button items of the day, trying to weave it into their pitch, trying to get motivate people off of the off of the sidelines, and it's really sketchy. Uh, Ag, what's uh, what's the fellow's name from um, Vikram? Agarwal, we've had him on the show of, I think, is that Energy Sage, right? Mm -hmm. CEO of Energy Sage. He comments in this article, if you want to learn about this, it's actually kind of interesting and it's pretty lengthy and it explains all the different players uh, in this. But you got to be really wary of those ads. Uh, they're not doing a great job right now. So this is businessinsider.com, misleading solar ads, spread coronavirus upend, uh, ads spread as coronavirus upends door-to-door -door sales. Check that out, 2020. Oh yeah, yeah but do 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 go to your local solar installer, make that phone call. Um, they're the ones that know the local market. They're going to understand exactly what you can get out of your system and how long it's really going to take to pay back. Um, I mean, those are the best. That's the best resource you have. Yeah, and, and, and go well, for it, Brian. I was going to say one more thing too. Approach it with uh, not a not a skeptical eye, but just a critical eye, and don't be a contrarian per se. But um, dig a little bit deeper behind. Yeah, yeah. It, it would be healthy for us all to exercise a bit of uh, critical thinking when we're looking at things and on social media. And get more than media. one quote. Always yeah, get more than one quote. <laughs> like the, the, the only reason those guys are putting those out there is because they're working. So... There, yes, but I, I can tell you from a from a previous solar installer's perspective that uh, when they're clickbaity like that, and then then the installer's job then becomes to kind of move in the actual real information, and that's it can be a real trial when you're dealing with such bogus information. So I think it, you know I think it does a disservice to the industry. I think it should be more regulated, actually. Yeah, my opinion. Well, and and Josh, not to get off tangent too much, but I think that's one of the big resets too, is because we've got an entire media that's driven by clickbait and not by necessarily the news. True so, that. True um, that. True anyway. that. Bri Brian, we're going to have to boogie we're gonna, in order to get both interviews in. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree with you 100%. Let's go to our commercial break. We'll catch this on the outro, okay? EnduroShield glass protection is the cost-effective way to help protect your PV investment, reduce cleaning needs, and help maximize power production. EnduroShield prevents etching, helps reduce soiling and debris buildup. At only two molecules thick, EnduroShield is optically clear, UV transparent. A one-time application provides up to 10 years of durability. To learn more about the coating, visit EnduroShield.com solar. You can request factory application or on-site by certified technicians like the team at Perfectly Clear. In Hawaii and for on-site applications in western U.S., visit PerfectlyClear.glass or call Gary at 808-280-9422. That's 808-280-9422. Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system, combined photovoltaic and thermal, holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. 
Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. Pantech Design is ushering the world into a new age of home energy automation through the convergence of smart home technologies and renewable energy management. Unifying solar energy production, intelligent energy storage, and smart breaker technologies with smart home devices, Pantech Design's complete home energy automation suite incorporates unprecedented control of lighting, shades, climate, security, hot water, electric vehicle charging, and many other systems. Contact Pantech today at PantechDesign.com. So my name is Brenda Chu, uh, Senior Manager of the Research Team. So I lead a smaller hub of <laughs> uh, a smaller hub of research team members, Mac, who you'll be talking to later. Um, and we, we do a range of areas that we cover. And one of the big things that we've focused on over this past year is we collect data directly from utilities mm -hmm. to try to shed light on what's happening in the solar, the energy storage, and the demand response markets. And what I've personally predominantly focused on for the last two years has been on the demand response, demand flexibility side. Gotcha. Yeah. So how, let me ask you this, just as an aside, what I noticed about SEPA is mm -hmm. that there's a lot of brilliant people uh -huh. and that they're quite young. Uh, and I wonder, what is? It, where, how do you source your staff? I mean, where are they coming from? Is it something that uh, does someone in a university the just university say, "Hey, I program. really want to be, <laughs> I, 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 I want to be in SEPA"? I mean, it's 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 a really remarkable group of people. I'm just wondering how you all get together. Yeah, I think it's a it's a mixture. So Mac, we picked him up because he and I both played ultimate frisbee, and we thought. There's a, a common camaraderie to being on that sport together. Uh, but I actually always say that SEPA is a place where a lot of people uh, like to go when they really care about that mission. And, you know, the industry is pretty concentrated and can be pretty intense. But then at SEPA, you have this really collaborative nature to it. You have it's really focusing on trying to solve that transition to clean energy and people that are really mission driven that work really hard but want to be in that specific space and that collaborative you know not so, so political space I feel like tend to gravitate towards our organization. Sure. That's an exciting space to be in. Yeah. I can see that's a great answer. Yeah, I can see why sense. that would be yeah. attractive right. Mm -hmm. So there's opportunity for real value creation there. Yeah, yeah, right? absolutely. Um, okay, now you're in an area that you that you use this term non-wires alternative, sure. right? Is mm -hmm. that the correct terminology? Yeah, that's kind of one aspect of it. For a lot of it, what's focused on has been more on the demand response space, but then related to that and being connected to non-wires alternatives, non-wires alternatives can be this broader umbrella. Mm -hmm. um, so looking at demand response, looking at energy storage, solar, uh, and just a suite of different DERs and how they can all potentially be leveraged case-to-case -case basis, kind of deriving value and helping to offset potential infrastructure costs. This is a really interesting area, and, and it really hadn't occurred to me. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, I've heard the term non-wireless alternatives, and we talk about DERs, and mm -hmm. we talk about uh, value stacking of storage, for example, as one yeah. kind of component. Yeah. But uh, as I was just, we were chatting earlier, just a second ago, Jay, and uh, she mentioned uh, how we can utilize some of these resources to, uh, you know, reduce the amount of infrastructure we need to build and just yeah. there's mm -hmm. tremendous savings in that. So yep. that's yeah. something that hadn't occurred to me. Then I thought, geez, that sounds a lot like a conversation uh, we, we had, had in, in Europe, uh, yes. in, in <laughs> Speed with, with Jean-Baptiste from Sonin. Yeah. That's correct, yeah. And he was talking, as I mentioned to you, he was talking about uh, taking uh, this excess uh, power that would be curtailed for, with offshore wind in northern Germany mm -hmm. and moving it down to the south where it was needed. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the only way to get it down other than using their, Building I suppose. new high voltage li transfer lines and they, would yeah. be what they did, which is basically roll it through their batteries. Right, system. and they rolled through these because they had like 40,000 systems or something yeah. throughout yeah. the country. Yeah. So uh, that's, is, that, is that an example of that, do you think? I think that the could sound? be an example, and I think it depends on you know, the intentionality of it. Was, were they going to have to build a line there, and was this the, the way to kind of offset mm -hmm. that? I feel actually, like that actually the, what from my understanding is that they are still going to build okay. some high-voltage transmission mm -hmm. there, but they... Um, they, they decided to at least try this as a proof of concept yeah, to see yeah. if it could be done. Yeah, I think it could be an example. And, yeah. and truthfully, I think that we talked about a little bit that the term, it's kind of had different iterations. It's non-wires alternatives, non-wires solutions. In the past, it was 
forms of energy efficiency from the last 30 years mm -hmm. could be examples of it if there was a pocket in a specific area or community that needed to be served that was, you know, there's a constrained line to be delivering that. And if you were to implement energy efficiency across that whole area, that could be considered a non-Mars alternative. Okay. But so, yeah, I think essentially the thing we did last year was we put out a report that shed light on 10 different case studies to kind of show the uniqueness and variety of solutions that could be related to that kind of a solution. So it could be one large battery, or it could be a couple different batteries combined with all these customers participating in demand response, mm -hmm. or it could be an energy efficiency, or if the peak demand is during the afternoon where you have solar panels, solar panels could be used. So sure. it's really specific to the case and the challenge at hand, and it could be a huge project or it could be you know, just a really small example. And I think that's kind of one of the things we were really excited to share in the report we wrote last year. Okay, so we gotta get a read on this report, take yeah. a look at that, yeah, right? Yeah. And then, yeah. so what are some of the big examples? Uh, mm -hmm. what, what is, what, what, and then how big of a role is, does this non-wires alternative play mm -hmm. in the overall advancement towards renewable energy? Sure. I mean, is this a, can, I don't know, can you assign a percentage to it? I mean, can you can you say, hey, this is how important it is? I yeah, mean, I think it's an important, similar kind of in a proof of concept, showing the value that DERs can provide to the grid, and really specifically, they could be examples of that transmission distribution, deferral, you know, those costs. That's the example of that value being avoided as well. Um, but I think that, you know, it's still really early, I would say, in the market. It was a process just trying to pull out 10 strong case studies. And a lot of them were, some of them were in their earlier phases. There's not that many that have been one and done complete with lots of findings. A lot of them mm. are still in progress today. So I definitely would say that that is a market that's starting to grow. You're starting to see states, Colorado just enacted some policies that are trying to open up more opportunities and increasing you know, methodologies and ways to evaluate non-Mars alternatives. So the two main areas that really put out policies for that are in California and New York. Hawaii started going that direction as well. Uh, and then starting to kind of proliferate. But I think it's it's one example. It's not like the solution to things. I think it's kind of one type of business model or one avenue for a step when you're looking at your distribution system and then you consider distributed energy resources as opposed to the status quo in the typical way of, oh, you have a problem and here's a traditional way that we build something to solve it on a greater scale, you know? Did, I got it. Did you, um, did, did SEPA play a role in helping, for example, Hawaii, you mentioned Hawaii, mm -hmm. uh, in certain projects or certain aspects of the non-wireless alternative or did they play a role, uh, did SEPA play a role in uh, the recent RFPs that went out for Darn your I'm not sure if that was SIPA. <laughs> I know some folks in the industry, like Paul Martini and others, and I think there was a, certain firms were part of a lot of the work that was in Hawaii in particular. SIPA uh, has been part of the DC MedSys process, so mm -hmm. the grid modernization processes that were taking place over the last year here, uh, and there were non-wires alternative and distribution planning working groups with different stakeholders trying to figure out, you know, how do we investigate this? How do we incorporate different stakeholders into the process. What do other people do? What do we want to do? So I think that those conversations are starting to happen in a lot of different locations. We're sure. part of some of them, but not all of them. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. So you're spending a lot of time speaking with utilities. You're mm -hmm. spending time speaking with, sounds like policymakers as well. Yeah. So you're providing yeah. kind of like information to yeah. them so they can help to understand what type of legislation will help. Mm -hmm. How, If you were to speak to a homeowner that's mm -hmm. getting solar and wants solar and wants to be a part of this, yeah. how would you describe, you know, you know what, what, it, what, what you're doing and how it plays an important role? Just <laughs> Keeping it really straightforward. Like my parents, when they were trying yeah. to figure out solar, and I was like, you what know, do that you I'm do? also in the industry too. And I was trying to explain what I do. Um, the way I see it is, you know, we we are this neutral kind of platform that can bring together all those different stakeholders. So we work with the utilities because a lot of them have a lot of that control, but we also recognize a lot of the challenges and obstacles, you know, regulatory-wise or technically on the grid-wise that have to be overcome to reach the, that clean energy goal. Hmm. And related to that, all the other players in the market, so the third parties and the regulatory folks, you know, being able to come together and have this more collaborative nature, that's a really nice way to be able to coalesce and, and try to talk about problems within the industry and how we can together 
tackle that. Absolutely. Wow. A lot going on here. So, uh, <laughs> what, what's your read on um, like? Are you optimistic right now, given mm -hmm. what we're seeing in this window of time? I mean, how do you feel about climate change? How do you feel mm -hmm. about the role that the renewable energy industry is playing in, mm -hmm. in combating climate change? I mean, do you have a sense of the different sectors and maritime and aviation, all these things kind of coming in together? What's your yeah, personal yeah. thought on that? And yeah, you know, yeah, I, I definitely say I'm not sure exactly what SEPA's stance on climate change particularly is. Personally, I did, you know, I, I was in a phase back in the day where I was really, you know, passionate and I was like, why aren't we doing enough? And then I went to a new phase where I got really, you know, pessimistic. I was like, nothing's gonna ever change. But with all the things that are going on today with just the amount, I, I was really excited to see there's like a town hall with all these different political candidates that mm -hmm. are focusing just on talking about climate change. I will be honest that maybe 10 years ago, I did not think that within this time span, we'd be talking about it. So I actually feel pretty inspired and excited that there's this movement. And particularly in you know, my job and what we see today, it's been really exciting to work with utilities and we weren't the ones pushing them at all. You know, they, Excel Energy was one of those really great examples where they put out their carbon free by 2050 goal, yeah. which aligned with our mission. And we're starting to see this really start to snowball where a lot more utilities are starting to also list out their goals. This is, this is, this is something here because, and Jay's been saying this for a bit, that mm -hmm. the um, this new, this presidential election is really going to come down to the, the issue of climate I, change. I think yeah. it's going and, to be the hotbed issue. And we're starting to see uh, actual documentation coming out from mm -hmm. uh, Bernie Sanders just released his Green New Deal. Yeah. Uh, I believe uh, Warren also released uh, some uh, documentation on it. Are you looking at this stuff and saying, "Hey, I know what's I know what's really going on, and that maybe that'll work, maybe that won't work." I mean, are you looking at it with a critical eye? Are you guys grabbing these things and reading them? Are you? What's your sense of how government can play a role? Hiding in the corner and laughing. Yeah. <laughs> I know, seriously, it's it's a key thing, right? But the truth is, is you know, I haven't been as tuned in. We as an organization are politically agnostic, so we're right. not really commenting and focusing sure. on those green new deals. I think from our focus as an organization. We take the standpoint of you know, this is the goal, but we want to reach those practical ways to get there, and we mm. like to help expedite it. So that's why we have you know efforts like the Renovate Initiative, where we're trying to look at certain regulatory barriers that actually mm. make it harder for utilities to transition. Mm -hmm. um, you know, understanding kind of the cultural issues too, uh, and trying to be able to look at that and transition it to you know, cleaner energy. So yeah, I think that there are you know different avenues that we're trying to tackle it on. Um, yeah. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I could I definitely yeah. dig into this one quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. Jay, do you want to jump in at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we haven't really been focusing on the Green New Deal exactly, but I think that there are, you know, we have these conferences that are utility focused and I can really understand that there are really motivated and excited people there that want to change, want to put in new technology, but then they go through a really long regulatory process. Yeah, and sure. that avoid, that creates these obstacles for them to be able to get something approved. By the time it's approved, the, the technology has become more outdated. Well, and so how do you tackle that? And those are the ways that we want to be kind of affecting the change. So in some ways, the political sways going left to right mm -hmm. and within different cycles affects us less because we don't, we're not tethered to funding that way. Like right. That. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I get that, that the, you know, you're, you're, you're independent, you're politically agnostic <laughs> and that's, that's understood. Yeah, so, yeah. but it, what's interesting is you, 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 my, by my read, you find yourself in an interest in a unique position mm -hmm. as maybe the guys in yeah. the only guys in the room that really kind of got a sense for the practical application of right. how yeah. to do this thing yeah, yeah. Yeah. that everyone's talking about. Mm -hmm. Right. And now all of a sudden everyone's talking about, Hey, we're going to do all these things that are going to uh, revolutionize our energy sector. Yeah. Uh, and when I see that as a, as a guy that wor has worked in the solar industry and has had a little bit of experience with the utility and, sure. and we've been doing this show for a bit and we're getting yeah. our head around it all, I, I, I don't immediately feel like secure in those those claims that everyone's making. Mm -hmm. I, I, I start getting a little nervous actually. Yeah. Think, and I, I think to myself, geez, I don't know if, that's, if those things that you're describing are possible yeah. from what I know. But you probably know, you know, a lot more than I do about yeah. those implementation uh, ideas, right? Yeah. So Strange. it must be an interesting point to sit and kind of go, oh wow, yeah. and that they, ideas and, and they certain, out. Not all, not all policies fit all all boxes right. either. And, and it, but, but, I mean, an interesting question, I guess I have, if someone came to you for advice mm -hmm. on a particular policy, yeah. are, are you open to all, or is that you, you try to as as politically agnostic? Do you just 
the, the stay away. It, it, is the, it is the information completely open and available to, to anybody who wants it, I guess, is the question. So you're kind of asking as to like our opinions or reactions to certain policies? Well, any, and, and no, any, any of the, any of the, the, the research Mm -hmm. documents that, that come out as, as a final product yeah. from SEPA. Yeah. Those are available to anybody and everybody to, yeah, to, absolutely. to, to and, use. And some for, people so. may actually use some of our papers um, in response to testimony sure. and testifying to kind of promote clean energy mm. or this and that. But we, we really just try to focus on the facts and the information. Uh, and of course, our mission is still clean energy and carbon-free till 2050 as an organization. So some of it leans in that way. We're celebrating the wins and we're we're you know, focusing on where the obstacles are to try to help people understand it, learn from it. So not everyone's trying to kind of repeat the same right, things right. to expedite that. Um, and so I think that that's kind of one avenue for it. But no, I definitely understand and things like those decarbonization or carbon reduction uh, goals that utilities are going for, they do the studies, and with the current technologies that we have today, I don't quite know how we would get to some of those aggressive goals that you're seeing mm -hmm. in those policies. Right. Mm -hmm. um, with Excel Energy, they're looking at it and they, they made that commitment, but what we have today wouldn't actually get them there yet. So they're kind of anticipating and plan that there will be some technological breakthroughs by right. the time we get to that phase right. too, right? And maybe like, you know, we always think that that it's going to take longer, and maybe we're going to end up, you know, hitting the mark much earlier. And I think we'd all be excited about that. Absolutely, but, yeah. very good. Okay, let's shift gears a little bit. Okay. What are you excited about here at SBI? <laughs> what do you want to see most? That's that's a good question. I love the show floor. So mm -hmm. yes. uh, we, who doesn't <laughs> love the show floor? In the past, we there have been smart homes where you can walk through it, and you can test and play with all the different technology. I want to go check out the microgrid area. Yep. Um, yeah, and then I have some sessions that are focusing on demand flexibility and control and what's mm -hmm. going on in those markets later, nice. so I'm excited to be able to dig into that with my panelists. Me too. Mm -hmm. Cannot wait. That sounds super <laughs> fun. Well, thank you so much for yeah, your time you. today. It was yeah. great to meet you and hear Absolutely. about all your yeah. great thank research. You. And yeah, uh, if you come to Mal, you'll have to come in studio and, and visit us. All right. Yeah. Okay? Great. Thank you. All right. Aloha. Yeah. All right, that was Brenda Chu, Senior Manager at the Smart Electric Power Alliance out of D.C. Uh, really uh, great conversation, very smart, learning about kind of that whole big picture of energy across the country. We're going to get a chance to hear from her counterpart, uh, colleague Mac Keller, Senior Analyst at SEPA. He's going to be talking more about storage and kind of that focus. Let's jump right in. I started at SEPA about two years ago, um, and... I've been on the research team since then, focused on our snapshots, our utility surveys. So we survey utilities across the country. Um, and for a while, that was a solar focus. We started that about 12 years ago, and then we expanded that three years ago to uh, look at solar, to look at storage and demand response. Mm -hmm. um, so for solar, we collected information from more than 500 utilities across the country. For storage, it was about 211, I think. Wow. And then for demand response, it was 190. Just to put that in perspective, how many utilities are there across sure. the country? Yeah. No, that's a good question. Uh, so there are about 3,300 utilities, but okay. our survey captured, so our sur solar survey captured, I believe it was 74% of customer counts. Mm -hmm. Um, and then storage was mid-50s, I believe, um, and demand response was, was also in that area. And that's just a result of a lot of the big, we, we got a lot of the big investor-owned utilities. Okay, that was gonna be my next question. Is that private co-ops as well as? Yeah, well, so it's, I mean, it, it was pretty split. We, so I think there are about 200 investor-owned utilities, um, and then the rest are small munis and co-ops. Okay. Um, so we got a lot of the big investor-owned utilities, and then we also we try to get some more representation through co-ops and, and munis so that the data that we collect, it, it isn't skewed towards one group or another. Sure. It, it's a, uh, I don't know, more holistic view of, yeah, of the market. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we have out in Hawaii, of course, we have uh, HEI, or Hawaiian Electric uh, Companies, yep. on three of the main islands, right, basically. and. Uh, then, of course, we have KIUC, Kauai Island Utility Cooperative, mm -hmm. on Kauai. So that's kind of an example of what you're describing, right? Yeah. A, a co-op and a, an investor-owned. Uh, I mean, do you see any trends with the, the, this? I mean, is there, is like, are customers getting a better deal in one or the other? I mean, it's because it's not, it's uh, just ask our, you know, the basic yeah. question, right? That, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'm not sure we've really looked at 
who gets a better deal in terms of uh, utility type. Yeah. But we are seeing that more and more utilities are starting to adopt these technologies. Mm -hmm. I mean, you guys have probably seen Kauai deployed a uh, 20 megawatt, 100 megawatt hour uh, storage project. Yep. So even these these co-ops are getting into the storage game. It, it used to be very much investor-owned utility mm -hmm. uh, market just because it was expensive, but costs are starting to come down. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's opening it up to a lot of other players. Yeah, and these are almost definitely PPAs, right? So they're third-party uh, independent uh, power providers, IPPs are coming in and offering, you know, funded projects these days, so it's yeah, pretty yeah, much yeah. anyone's game, yeah. Yeah, yeah? Very cool. So, well, the big question is, what are you seeing in these snapshots with storage around the country? I mean, you know, we're, we, we are seeing storage what's, yeah, what's being deployed going on, in Hawaii quite there? a bit. <laughs> yeah. is, it, uh, is that happening other places? Is it happening at different rates? Is Where are the hot spots? What's going on? Yeah, no, it's a good question. So, um, I mean, you're certainly seeing it in California. California's always been a big leader uh, in clean energy, but sure. uh, you're seeing new movers in Texas, Florida. Uh, it's mostly following states that are deploying a lot, of uh, a lot of solar or renewables as well, because they need some way to soak up this excess renewable generation. Um, and so in Texas, you have a lot of wind. So they're deploying storage projects to match that and to capture that um, and then Florida is the same thing they have a lot of they're starting to get more and more into solar um, and we saw that last year they were one of the biggest movers in terms of added solar last year um, and that's a result of they had different rule changes that allowed solar projects under 75 megawatts to not have to go through different permitting mm -hmm. um, now, Florida is an interesting example because I believe it's Florida, Florida Power and Light. Yep. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Is that the entire state? Not the much? entire. So there's also Gulf Power, okay. and then there are a few uh, municipalities as gotcha. well. And then FP&L is owned by Nextair, if I'm not mistaken, yep. right? Mm -hmm. Nextair made a bid uh, for the Hawaiian Electric Industries for uh, about three or four years ago. Three years ago, years ago right? now, yeah. And that didn't work out, so they didn't end up buying it. So um, now Nextera and FB&L, we're, we're talking primarily about utility scale stuff right here, right? Yeah. So uh, you sounded like they loosened legislation on certain types or, 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 or application procedures for certain types of solar systems, and you're seeing a burgeoning of solar in Florida as a result. Does that sound right? Yep. yep. Interesting. And that's, of course, FB&L kind of owned uh, of solar systems primarily, or is that stuff that's actually utility owned or, or third party? It's, it's like, actually yeah. utility. So that's that's one of the things is a lot of these solar projects are primarily PPA, like you brought up. But yeah. Florida is seeing a lot of utility owned projects. That's popping interesting. Um, and yeah. New, right. new trend. Well, they're one of the largest utilities, aren't they? I think they yeah. are. Yeah, I, I don't know where exactly they stand, but I think they're definitely top twenty, maybe even yeah. top ten. Interesting. Yeah. I think this. Uh, you know, so you see, we're seeing storage coming across the country in all those locations you mentioned, mm -hmm. and we're talking. It looks like pri primarily utility scale storage, right? We're yeah. not talking mm -hmm. so much about homeowners with batteries in their in their yeah. houses. Do you track that type of information we as do. well? Yeah, we we track behind the meter storage. Um, I mean, we're noticing. Utilities all over the country, uh, particularly in Vermont, there's Green Mountain Power in Vermont. They've they've been deploying, I think they deployed over a thousand, or they interconnected over a thousand residential systems last year, um, and that's just to their goal of getting to 100% um, renewable by I think it's 2030. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of that is driving it too. A lot of these utilities. Um, are creating these uh, carbon reduction goals or renewable energy goals that are kind of uh, supporting the the, de the deployment and interconnection of solar and storage. So uh, within that study, you took a look at utility scale, you took a look at what's happening in these uh, behind the meter, as you put it, yep. uh, installations. You see these trends across the country. Um, you know, and storage is a, just this very dynamic uh, 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 technology, or yeah. a, there's all these different chemistries in conversation. You know, we, uh, and, and generally speaking, and even in conversation for me, when someone says, oh, did you hear about that new chemistry or that new yeah. thing? I, I don't entertain it too much because it seems so theoretical a lot of the times. Yeah. But <clears throat> do you, are you getting any reads on any exciting things that are happening? Is there any little nuggets that you're going, wow, that, that looks like it has a lot of potential? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good question. I mean, we, so we primarily focus on lithium-ion batteries. Mm -hmm. Um, at least in our collection effort, we do look at kinetic batteries and flow mm -hmm. batteries as mm -hmm. well. 
Um, so we're starting to see different flow batteries pop up around the country. There was uh, one in California that was the first to get interconnected to their wholesale market. Um, and then we've, we've started to explore looking at longer duration batteries. I mean, DOE has a program, ARPA-E, which provides funding to different uh, long duration storage projects. Mm -hmm. And so you're seeing people look at different technologies to see what might be the best for certain applications because it's still very early on in the process. Mm -hmm. So people are still trying to figure it out, but at the same time, Lithium ion doesn't care. It does account for over 90% of battery right. storage. Well, wow. yeah. when you say long duration, are we talk about long duration uh, uh, power delivery. So as opposed to maybe four hours, 24 or 48 or something yeah. like that. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Okay. And then when you say flow batteries, are we talking about like vanadium flow and yep. these kinds of electrolytes that are changed out over time, and the battery has good longevity over the life cycle? Yeah, exactly. Okay, this kind of stuff. Yeah, and uh, we were talking to. I can't remember the company exactly, but they're a flow battery company that was combining flow with uh, lithium ion. So it's a hybrid flow lithium ion, and that allows it to um, kind of start up more quickly than a flow battery might. So you'd have normally. a flow, flow and a lithium ion alongside each other working yeah. together to achieve different. That's interesting. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they play to their strengths. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, I've seen this. That's uh, that's exciting stuff. Okay. Well, what are you um, what are you uh, excited to see here at SBI uh, this year? Anything they stand out? What do you what do you kind of jazz to go check out? Yeah. I mean, th well, so this is my first SBI, so I'm I'm really excited to just take it all in. Mm -hmm. um, I've heard it's an it can be an overwhelming event, but I'm excited to I don't know see see all the vendors, see what there is to offer. Um, I understand that. There's now a microgrid and electric vehicle section to this, mm -hmm. and I've done some work on both of those topics, so I'm excited to see what's there as well. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for coming on the Solar Coaster. Yeah. We'll have to uh, keep in touch, and then if there are these new advances that you see happening around the country, you gotta let us know, okay? Yeah, no, come absolutely. on, we'll come on anytime. Yeah, <laughs> very much appreciate right, it. Right, thank you, thank you. Thanks again. Yep. Have a good one. Thanks. There you go, Jay. There's nothing like opening a Solar Power International North America Smart Energy Week with SEPA. That's really the way to do it. What do you think of that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, we keep saying it over and over again, but there's a tremendous um, amount of talent, hardworking, fresh kind of viewpoints. Uh, we always love visiting with those folks, and I'm looking forward to the next time. <laughs> There you go. All right. Thanks to both uh, Brenda and uh, and Mac and everybody out there at SEPA. All right. We've got a couple of cool things we're going to run real fast toward right now at the end of the show. Uh, got a message from the winners of the uh, RFP Phase 2. One of them interjects. Uh, this is from Eddie Park, and he says, We're excited to continue working on renewable energy projects in Maui. The solar best project is 20 megawatts and located in West Maui. We're preparing more detailed info to be posted on our website next week and gearing up for community meeting as well. Also want to give an aloha and thank you to Tokie at the county. Interested in supporting the solar coaster and getting on and, and talking about the Kama Aina first program. And uh, one last thing before we end, we have partnered with Midwest Solar Expo uh, out of... Uh, uh, the Midwest, <laughs> and we're going to be doing a virtual conference, which is super cool. More about that soon, but keep your eyes on it. Daniel Sugar from Next Tracker joining us in a virtual conference world radio show craziness. Aloha, folks. Thanks for tuning into uh, our fourth year inaugural episode or first episode of the fourth year, uh, and have a great weekend and Aloha Friday. <laughs>